I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to see all y'all. And I say that I really mean that, you know, because while um, me coming here last year during this pandemic, you know, whatever the case may be, pandemic, if you will, but uh, <laughs> me coming, uh, it was just my commitment and faithfulness, you know, to the work of Christ and what God wanted to do, not knowing things would play out like they would. But, you know, it has and I'm OK with it. Because I I know in times like these, we are dealing with some dark times right now. And so this is going to lead to what I'm going to talk about tonight. Um, when I was studying, there's a lot I could talk about, but I wanted to talk about something that's really going to not only help uh, myself and people who listen, but also help this house. <laughs> I want to give something relatable. I try to be practical. You know, I have nothing wrong with exegete, exegete, homiletics and all of that. But we live in a day and time now where you can do all of that, but folks will still be confused because many don't read the Bible like that, but they need an example. You know, we have so many people nowadays that have been groomed for the pulpit, <laughs> but you're not groomed for life. I'm not going to preach, but I feel happy now. That's how it is. So they can live, however, but then get back out here. <laughs> Sound good, do all of that. But no power. But we need people who have not only have had an encounter with God, but continue to have an encounter with him so that they can lead and get fresh, fresh uh, revelation. I'm going to be talking about spiritual warfare, uh, but this will be an introduction. So this may be a series. We'll see. Um, but my introduction is going to be real practical. So I'm explaining some things. But one thing that led me to thinking about this is so much that's going on. I believe less, uh, my dad shared uh, the last Sunday we had um, here about how the church missed it in 2020. You know, y'all got we have time to be at the house, but we want stuff to be like like it used to be. <laughs> God wants us to draw closer to him and we uh-uh. Yeah. And I believe that what's happening now is a result of that. Yeah. You know, I believe that. I know it is. You can't you can't shaft God and win. <laughs> you can't ignore him and win. You just can't do it. And we're seeing that. Uh, and I believe talking about spiritual warfare and the aspect of what it is uh, in an introduction, it's impossible to really speak about the whole concept of it in just one Bible study. Yeah, it's right. hard. <laughs> it is. But what I'm going to do is try to break it down in a way that's more practical and relatable um, in a sense that I hope it'd be a blessing. It blessed me. And uh, I'm going to be very transparent tonight. <laughs> uh, but one of the scriptures that came to mind in leading in dark times was um, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. You can turn here. You can write it down. But it talks about, many of you may know this, trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. In this particular aspect, Solomon was talking about sound advice for life. Human understanding is always subject to error. Always. What appears to be the right choice may be the wrong choice. But the Lord sees the big picture and he always knows what is best for us. We live in a time now where people are leaning to their own understanding. Mm. It's the truth. And that, that's flawed. That is flawed. I, even during this pandemic, um, and thing that's been going on in life has become a trend for people to lean, uh, lean into their own understanding. Yeah. Speak your truth. No, that thing called absolute truth. I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about the body of Christ. Yeah. It's important that we lean and acknowledge God so he can direct our path. Uh, but what appears to be the right choice may be the wrong choice. But the Lord sees the big picture 
And he always knows what is best for us. The point here is that it's not to be mindless or naive, but rather we need to recognize our own limitations. Pride prevents that. It hinders that. Just because we're in over our head does not mean God is no longer in control. If we want perfect direction in life, in all our ways, we should acknowledge the Lord. He will not only guide us in the right way, but he will also remove obstacles from our path. See, valuable results occur due to obedience and trust in God. That's how we honor him. And when I was looking at that, he will not only guide us in the right path, but he but also removes obstacles from my path. That stuck with me. Obstacles. Yeah. One apparent obstacle right now in the body of Christ is spiritual warfare. You know, we, we have this thing that if we don't talk about it, we we'll have to worry about dealing with it. <laughs> uh-uh. It don't work like that. I'm going somewhere. Watch this. When you break down the definition of obstacle, many definitions, but one stuck with me was obstruction, hindrance, uh-huh. impediment, referred to something that interferes with or prevents action or progress. An obstacle is something uh, material or non-material that stands in the way of literal and figuratively, uh, figurative uh, progress. Yeah. Lack of imagination, vision is an obstacle in one's advancement. So when people don't have vision, that is a, that's a blockage. There's something that's going on that's stopping you. And when I look at this, there's a spiritual battle that's at hand. And it's really brewing now. But when you look at that, obstacles, difficulties can be looked at as spiritual warfare. So it begs us some questions. What leads us to what type of obstacles? Why do you think confessing and repenting of sin is so difficult? Why is obedience so challenging? Why are we so afraid to evangelize? Why is forgiveness so daunting? Why is prayer so marred by distractions? <laughs> oh, y'all not liking me. Watch this now because it is spiritual warfare. What is spiritual warfare? There are two primary errors when it comes to spiritual warfare. You have an overemphasis and you have an underemphasis. Number one, some blame every sin, every conflict, and every problem on demons that need to be cast out. That would be looked at as an overemphasis. You're talking about overweight and financial struggle. That ain't the devil. You need a budget. <laughs> you need to change the way you eat. Uh, it's tight, but it's right. Areas where discipline and ethics lack and or isn't applied. That's not a, a demonic thing. Not a demonic thing. But some people, it's like that. You know? Financial struggle. Some people, my finance, you don't even have a budget. <laughs> you don't keep up with what you need to do. Then you have others, the other aspect of it, when you look at it under emphasis, uh-huh. others completely ignore the spiritual realm and the fact that the Bible tells us our battle is against spiritual powers. That's right. That's right. We are at war. Ignoring the fact that we are at war does not protect us from the consequences. It doesn't. And most people think that. They think that, well, if I don't talk about it, I ignore it, I'm all right. That's where the church has failed a great deal. When you look at the concept of feigning, failing to train our children in battle would not protect them from the battle. Yes. 
it only ensures that they will fall at the hands of the enemy. And we've gotten here because we have let ourselves be hijacked by cultural pressure to make our churches warm, soft, fluffy places for people to come and feel better. Now, it should be welcoming. It should be warm and welcoming and loving and all of that. It should. It should. However, uh, it should be part of the church, but so should be training. And I believe last year was a time for people to be militant, not mean, but like, hey, hello, wake up. Come on. (laughs) You know, are you still here? You know, but many, you know, so much got exposed. Attitudes, complacency, slothfulness. You know, we got exposed a great deal. And uh, just because we're not teaching spiritual warfare in the church, it does not give us a pass on having to fight spiritual battles. It doesn't. When we allow the truth of the word to be subjugated to modern thinking, and you allow people to punk you or the pressure, or I might do this or do that, what ends up happening, it remains, what remains is a weak, anemic version of faith. And that's how it is now. Everybody Christian. I heard old uh, here tell me the other day talking about, I'm tired, I'm a saint. I'm tired. Everybody wanna be Christian now. You lie. <laughs> I'm a saint. You know, saints of God. That's what I want to be. I'm tired of these, these, you know, my goodness. <laughs> At the end of that later on. Praise God. <laughs> these folks that want to, you know, my goodness. He said, uh uh-uh, everybody a Christian. But that's what happens when the pressure is weak, it's anemic, you know. Everybody say. Everybody, lotted daughter, everybody is saved. Oh man, I mean, he said, I, I'm, 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 not, I'm not calling myself, uh-uh, I'm a saint of God. That's what I want to be connected to. I said, Well, go on, I understand. <laughs> understand. He said, You know, yeah, because he was one of the things we were sharing and talking about is how I know this is a sad note, but one thing he was talking about and sharing was he was just tired. You know, people have a problem with. with being in order with God and all oh, the Bible is old, old school and different things like that. But what he said was true. He said, water's old, you still drink it. Right. <laughs> he said, food is old, it's been there for a while, you still eat it. You know? <laughs> so I don't understand the problem. Oh man, but watch this. Let me get back to this. Let me get back to this. That's good, because that's the truth. Isn't it? We talk about it, you know. Drive and get old, we still do it. <laughs> you know, right. Watch this. Watch this. The key to successful spiritual warfare is finding the biblical balance. The apostle Paul instructs Christians to wage, or the saints of God, to wage war against the sin in themselves. You find that in Romans chapter 6. And warns us to oppose the schemes of the devil. You'll find that in Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 18. That's a known uh, passage that obviously my parents most likely would uh, be expounding on probably next Bible study. What I want to talk about now, after breaking all that down, is four ways to seeing what spiritual warfare looks like and or if you're in the middle of it. These are just four broad ways. Some may or may not apply to you. Some you can relate to. Some you may not. But ultimately, ultimately it's going to help somebody. <laughs> Number one, you either pull this way or that way. See, being pulled in different directions is often a sign of a generous heart for many. 
but it's detrimental when it leads to the neglect of God's priority. This cannot go on. Why? Because eventually there is going to be great pain that God doesn't want. Why? Because the Holy Spirit does, doesn't want us to do everything that's good. It's impossible. It's impossible. That's where priorities come in. Intent is nice. Well, my intent is fine. But priorities and discipline. He wants us to carry out his mission. That which is best, which only we can do. So what happens is, is that when we're dealing with things like that, when we're between we don't know which way we got so much going on this that, and the third you have to admit there's a need there's something i need to do that is a priority then you focus on god's priorities as a result and then you ask for help so that's one way to where spiritual warfare can look like because when you're with your way and your intent and all of this is all over the place you need direction you need to make sure the priority of God is at hand. Now that's soft, but that is real. Because <laughs> my parents had witnessed me, I used to tear cars up going all over the place. <laughs> yeah, I used to. Because I wanted to help. You can't help everybody. You can't. <laughs> you can't. You know, do you see this automobile? You can't help everybody. Another car almost every other year because I'm tearing stuff up. Being pulled in different directions. Oh, we want you to help in Memphis. I go out there, come back. <laughs> we need you at the 730. Say, sure, I got you. Then I got to do a nine o'clock. Turn around, end the day with 1115, and maybe at six o'clock eating the service. No priorities. What's this? What's this? Number two, uh, deception. Deception. Two intuitive characterizations of deception. Number one, uh, deception is the intentional act of convincing another of a falsehood. Number two, deception is the intentional uh, causation, if you will, that is influence of false beliefs in another. Yeah. Read that again. Two intuitive characterizations of deception is number one, deception is the intentional, I'm doing this on purpose, to convince another of a falsehood. And number two, deception is the intentional causation that is the influence of false beliefs in another. You see it happen in relationships. Uh, I thought he, yeah, you thought. Mm. Mm, 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 mm. Oh, it's, it's rapid. It is. <laughs> oh, it is. It's rapid. And uh, I mean, fool on first 48 because of things like this. Uh, but see, claiming ignorance, rationalizing, here's a sign. Claiming ignorance. When you find people who claim ignorance, rationalize, and justify bad behavior to you, therefore uh, impacting others, etc., they're all indicative of deception. That's what it is. But when you find somebody, this is how I am. Or if you, they, uh, you know, they don't want to hear the truth. They don't, but the longer you stay with them, you get deceived after a while. Now, most folks don't want to talk about this. Because you might lose offerings, <laughs> mess up some marriages, mess up some manipulative things. But that's our job here at the church, to talk about this stuff. People get in arguments and then you try to have this stronghold over them, deceiving them, thinking they wrong. No, you wrong, repent. <laughs> get free so your marriage, relationship, or whatever, business can move forward, you know. 
I've seen people immature. You know you need to grow up. But you play them games. You know, falsehood and well, and, and then next thing you know, it's ruining things. We live in a world full of lies and deceit comes from many sources. There are lying spirits who lead astray. Um, just like in First uh, Timothy 4.1 and then also uh, you'll find that in Second uh, Timothy uh, chapter three, verses thirteen. Those two scriptures, First Timothy four and one, you can write that down. In Second Timothy chapter three, verses uh, thirteen, yes. there are evildoers and impostors, even manipulators, looking for dupes. <laughs> and perhaps most insidious, we have ourselves to deal with, even our own self. Self-deception is common in our fallen world. I was looking at the aspect of narcissism. You know, before we get saved, we have a level of it. All of us. <laughs> but when we get in Christ, we break free of that old man. But folks that live like that, the Bible says little living, living a whole lot. People that do not deal with those things, it magnifies and gets worse. But here's a solution in that capacity of number two of deception uh, being deceived uh, regarding how do I know what the spiritual warfare look like. To avoid self-deception, we must be like the one who, uh, as in James 1, chapter 1, verses 25, said, looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. That's James chapter 1, verses 25. So ultimately what it's saying is remembering the word, doing the word, and continuing in the word. That is what changes character, encounters self-delusion. Yes. Not only self-delusion, but people from others. It keeps you aware. Like a mirror, the, the word of God is all, always show us the truth. Mm -hmm. That's why people don't like being in the word, because it causes you to think for yourself. Yes. Now obviously people, they'll talk about that in other times, if you will. They ripped the Bible, kept it from them. Now we have it all and we steal. <laughs> oh, y'all not liking me in here. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to act right. But that's how it is. Because we have all of it now. But unless uh, donkey this or elephant that said or CNN said or that's how it is. Which shows that at the end of the day, regardless, that's still the issue at hand. This helps with deception. It, deception is rampant. I've dealt with situations where I've encountered people where it is about draining me, getting in relationship with them. Like, what is going on? I'm like, man, I feel like I'm 60 after dealing with you. <laughs> but it's because, you know, I stay, I really do, I get in some hot water uh, a lot because I really do live and do the best I can as a whole. I, I'm not a, I don't claim to be no perfect man. You're not going to hear much about me because I'm pretty much predictable. I'm either here in the country, traveling. I try to do right because it's about congruency. Your personal trichotomy, that is your, uh, your mind, body, and spirit. When you get those together, you get oneness. And as I've shared with you before, you have the ability to say what you mean, mean what you say, and most importantly, able to do. You don't have to skip a beat. <laughs> But there are people that, for many reasons, that I get into later on, that they are deceived. They don't know what love is. Oh, yes. <laughs> and you in the church singing. You know, ain't nothing wrong with that. I don't mean anything by that. What, I'm, what I mean is that this is supposed to be a place where it's exemplified. Right. 
where they say ambassador. This is supposed to be kingdom down here. Can sing and preach and play and usher and do all this stuff, but can't receive the love of God at all because you are deceived. Let me move on. Watch this. Number three, betrayal. Oh, this is going to be good right here. Betrayal. Betrayal is a gross violation of trust and can be one of the most devastating forms of pain inflicted upon a human being. The suffering of betrayal is often magnified by a sense of vulnerability and exposure. For many, the pain of betrayal is worse than physical violence, deceit, or prejudice. Betrayal destroys the foundation of, watch this, trust. And that's rapid. I mean, you got people in the church, like I said, not in the world, in the church. I mean, these jokers just be betraying and folks actually, they don't want to say nothing. <laughs> they don't want to deal with it. And what happens is spiritual warfare. You just, it, it causes a mess. And people are either in between it or you're around it and it affects everything. It does because it becomes a reality. I was thinking, even dealing with deception. For many, which is dangerous to be like this, but for many, perception is reality. What they perceive is. <laughs> but it's, it's the church, it's the job as leaders and even as believers to uh, shape reality under the rule of God. That's why our commitment to him is so important. Yeah. One of part of betrayal is backstabbing. That's real uh, prominent. Backstabbing is real prominent. Backstabbing is betrayal often verbal by one opposing as a friend. The word is self-explanatory. Creating an image of a person who is pleasant to your face, but when your back is turned, stabs you. My goodness. Backstabbing is, which is what gets me, cowardly. It is. It, it's, it lacks the courage of honest confrontation and resorts to slander or passive-aggressive revenge without revealing his motive. That's hearing about it, Christ. You have people in the church don't like each other. They have all this stuff going on. I mean, this, that, and the third. And then you want to worship. Uh -uh, Set out. <laughs> because that's not worshiping spirit and in truth. Backstabbing, that's not walking in truth. Your motive's hidden. You don't know. Y'all understand this. <laughs> My God, I mean, come on now. Yes. It lacks courage. It's cowardly. It lacks the courage of honest confrontation, resorts to slander, and that passive-aggressive revenge. You got clicks in the church. You got this. You got that. Oh, that's spiritual warfare. You know, and I've been there before. And the leader know and don't care. I'm going to pre-get this offering. Go get this T-bone steak and go to the house. But that destroys things. That's not the will of God. But that's how you can see spiritual warfare. I'm going to talk about it because it's good. It's necessary. Watch this. Backstabbers do not walk in love. As God commands us to walk. They look out only for themselves. Backstabbing is. Much of what people realize. And which is really part of. Uh, spiritual warfare. Is hypocrisy in action. Because the backstabber pretends loyalty to a person. While secretly destroying him. Or her. Reputation. Backstabbing goes hand in hand with slander. Gossip and discord, all of which are condemned in Scripture. That's what it is. 
That's what it is. Motherfucker don't want to talk about that. They see it. And I talk about it outside the church. So when we service over, girl, man, check this out. Who did this? Who did that? But most priests don't want to talk about it. Because you're doing it. <laughs> and you like it. That's why when you look at most churches, like priests, like people. When you have issues, then you can be traced back to the head. You know? It can. Somewhere in leadership, somewhere. But it's our job to dispel all of this stuff. Despite the pain, there is a way we can overcome betrayal. And the power comes directly from God and the strength of, watch this, forgiveness. Betrayal is, is, is rampant. I'm being uh, general right now because there's been so many situations that people that you may know personally, you, it may happen to you personally. So it's hard for me to just get in and everything, but this is the core of it. Betrayal. I didn't witness it. Find a text, hear a phone call. I can't believe it. Don't know what to do. Breath gone. Just almost did it. You got to get yourself together. <laughs> it didn't happen to me, and I thank God I respond, don't react. <laughs> you know, I mean, my goodness, you know. But it's part of spiritual warfare to get you off. It is. And in my particular situation, I'm going to tell you, one of the most powerful weapons that you understand when, uh, as we move forward in this series, is that the God has shown us the most powerful weapon in spiritual warfare is truth. That worked on my behalf. Now, this is really, I'm going somewhere. Truth. It is. True. It's powerful. It is. It is. Powerful. I ain't talking about no manipulation. I'm talking about truth. This will lead me to my next point, but let me finish this last point on this. Those who have experienced God's love, God's love, understand what it means to be loved unconditionally and undeservedly. Only with the help of God's spirit can we love and pray for those who seek to harm us. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And you'll find that in Romans chapter 12, uh, uh, verse 14 through 21. Mm -hmm. So many scripture references, but I didn't want to get off track spitting them all out. <laughs> so it's Bible. Oh, yes, it is. And uh, I'm going to start trying to do maybe some transcripts of this stuff to have it available so people can see it, you know, because I believe in integrity. I don't believe in just apostasy or, or anything like that, saying how I feel. Now, this is the word of God. <laughs> uh, watch this. Number four, the last one. The feeling of powerlessness. Oh. The feeling of powerlessness. Sometimes situations in life will make you feel that way. At least you think. Circumstances, whether it's injustices, there's so many things. You get in a position where it's just like, ain't nothing I can do. Mm -hmm. Ain't nothing I can do. Well, it is. <laughs> but that's what I'm going to talk about right now. Many people think you feel powerless. The truth is that powerlessness isn't a feeling. It's not an emotion like hurt, fear, anger, sadness, or joy. Powerlessness is a decision. How is that? Well, thank you for asking. Watch this. It's a conclusion we arrive at. When we make Christ our Lord and Savior and get saved, we choose to deny ourselves. His will, not ours. Mm -hmm. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 10, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, it says, Therefore I take pleasures in infirmities, in reproaches, 
and necessities, persecution and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now that's Paul talking right there. See, many people love to be in control of their lives due to hurt, being vulnerable due to abuse, mistreatment, lack of faith, trust. Uh, the list goes on, uh, therefore affecting our place in him and God's ability to move in our lives. Yeah. This is really huge right here yeah. because people are so used to I'm doing my own thing. I can say what I want to. The Lord got to talk to me. You know, I've heard people say that. I'm like, oh, OK, well, I got to go. <laughs> I don't want to be around when you get to talking. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> I up. You know you're wrong. He got to talk to. You. Well, all right. Well, I'll talk to you later. Believers must trust God. The most in areas of their lives where they are the weakest, or where they are weakest, or where they suffer the most. So there are situations in our lives where we feel weak and we're suffering, whether it's with patience. Whether it's, I want to say how I really feel. <laughs> I know this joker lying on me. I know they lying on me. I know they ain't telling the truth, but I feel powerless, even though I got power on my side arm. <laughs> I got power at the house. <clears throat> and I got it. Yeah, I got it. But, you know, I have to decide. Mm hmm. Watch this. God's power is never more convincing than when a human perspective produces no answer about how to get through what confronts us. I'm going to read that again. God's power is never more convincing than when a human perspective produces nothing about how to get through what confronts us. This is why, uh, on a side note, this is why last year took place how it did. We all had the answer, allegedly. Allegedly, the scientists got the answer, you know, a political party got the answer. If we can just, and it resulted to nothing, nothing, nothing. And see, in the same seemingly backwards way, believers who are trusting God are more powerful when they have the least self-reliance. Ah, that's key. See, when you're self-sufficient. Oh, I ain't got to worry about feeling power. Somebody say something to me, I listen. The spirit of Samuel Jackson is upon me because I have some words for thee. I do. Oh, y'all not liking me. I got a bunch of power. But the only thing that's going to produce is a one-way ticket to hell if you leave it like that. It will. Now, people don't talk about that. Well, you know, uh, <laughs> no. Mm -mm. That's what it's going to produce. Self-sufficiency. That is the issue in the body of Christ a great deal. God wants to break us so he can use us. That brokenness is basically pain with purpose. That is our anguish. What we live for. Why I wake up, go to church, why I worship, why I do what I have to do. Many don't have anguish anymore. They self-reliant. They don't preach the same. They don't pray the same. That's why relationships have changed. <laughs> Your influence has changed. Because we start out right. You know, we will. We be on top all it. God, I mean, my good lay hands and do all that. And soon we get whatever we need. Then things change. Here come the compromise. You know, because instead of me being wise and meek and different, instead of getting this big old house, let me get something that I can just pay off. No, I need to switch up my teachings and talk about, you know, 
<laughs> and ask for thousand dollars at the end of service, so that I can, you know. And then I start emphasizing these scriptures. You got to honor your your pastor. Honor, no, that's manipulation, deception. Another aspect of spiritual warfare. But watch this. Yes, yes. His power is never more convincing than when a human perspective produces no answer about how to get through what confronts us. We got confronted with this pandemic. We got confronted with all these issues last year, racism and all this stuff. Human solutions. Human solutions to spiritual problems. Mm -hmm. Because it don't feel good to not do something. We got to do something. Sick of this mess. <laughs> Tired of this stuff. We got to do something. That's right. We're going to burn this stuff down. You know, I remember uh, Farrah got talking about this. I'll land too. <laughs> I mean, come on now. You know, <laughs> I mean, got folk riled up and ready to go. We got the, and I'm like, it produces. <laughs> I thought to myself, that is hilarious. I mean, coming and hollering. This I land too. I mean, you do all this. And I know God is sitting back like, go give me them Doritos and I'll pay it. I'm tired of this. Because it's righteousness that exalts the nation. <laughs> That's what exalts it. That's what gets his attention. Let me move on. Watch this. Watch this. <laughs> God's power is far and away more capable than our own. Yes. Circumstances will arise where all you can do is remain in prayer and allow the faith and trust you have in God to work on your behalf. Even in moments of unfairness and justice, uh, strategy is a powerful weapon. It's one of the greatest things I've ever heard growing up. Strategy. I used to get upset and this, that, and third. What do I do with this? Strategize. So if I go in meetings and stuff, uh, what I do normally is a trend for me, especially now more than ever, is if I know I'm about to go somewhere and I know I already try to think out all the opportunities, I think about if you go off on me, if you say this, you say that. So when it happens, I'm just chilling. It's good. I do that. Oh, it's real good. <laughs> it, it's real good. I can't imagine for you if I'm at the school. I wish I would be at school. And I'm thinking, I'm grown, you know. <laughs> Y'all don't pay my bills. But I have to strategize because I understand God's power is far more, in a, you know, in a way more capable than my own. Strategy. Mm -hmm. And it requires humility. I'm almost done with this last point. Hebrews chapter 11. You find out, this is like I said, this is why faith, prayer, all of these things are intricate when it comes to feeling uh, powerless. Faith is essential to the Christian faith, or to the saints of God, if you will. <laughs> Without demonstrating faith and trust in God, we have no place in him. We believe in God's existence by faith. Most people have a vague, disjointed notion of who God is, but lack the reverence necessary for his exalted position in our lives. So you don't reverence him. You talk about, oh, he's God, but you don't reverence him, how we live, how we talk, how we walk, etc., People like this lack the true faith needed to have an eternal relationship with God who loves them. You need these things. Our faith can falter at times, but because it is the gift of God given to his children, he provides uh, times of trials and testing uh, in order to prove that our faith is real to sharpen and strengthen it. That's what he does. It's a gift of God. And he gives it to us when we go through things. This is what James said in chapter 1. Verses 2 through 4, to count it 
all joy. Consider it pure joy when we fall into trials because the testing of our faith produces perseverance and matures us, providing the evidence that our faith is real. So when you feel powerless, hang in there. I know you got that clip hanging, but hang in there. <laughs> that word is hanging, but hang in there. Oh, y'all not liking me. Watch this. This is why prayer and faith go hand in hand. I'm almost done with this. For the Christian, praying is supposed to be like breathing. It's easier to do than not do. Let me say that again. For the believer, praying is supposed to be like breathing. Easier to do than not do. We pray for a variety of reasons. For one thing, number one, prayer is a form of serving God. You find that in cha uh, Luke chapter 2, verses 38, 36 through 38. That's Luke, Luke chapter 2, verses 36 through 38. Yeah, we, while we pray for various reasons, one reason why we pray is because it's a form of serving God. And number two, obeying him. Serving God and obeying him. Prayer is needed. Why? Because prayer plugs into God's power. It is our means of defeating Satan and his army that we are powerless to overcome by ourselves. So after we get through using empty net clip, whether it's with our tongue or that nine or, you know, <laughs> whatever the case may be, it's powerless. Therefore, may God find us often before his throne. He find us when we pray. He'll find us before his throne. For we have a high priest in the heaven who can identify with all that we go through. We have his promise that the fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. So it's all about a perspective. There's four reasons, four ways to see what spiritual warfare looks like. And if you're in it, like I said, this is really uh, general. But I know it can be, uh, you know, tethered and curtailed to our specific situation. What we ultimately have to do is stop doing what Peter did. Stay focused on Jesus. You got to do. Because if you find yourself sinking, you got to look up. <laughs> That's what you got to do. Um, Jesus is our rock. I think about America now. You know, everybody about rights. I was going to talk about that in one aspect, this entitlement culture. Uh, all about our rights. I look at it now, the way we vote, how we move, how we shake. Here's a perspective why at the body of Christ got to be unified. If we're on a boat and I got a right to do whatever I want to, if I got a right to drill a hole in this boat, well, we all going to drive. What are we going to do? So I want to do that. It's my right. <laughs> do you not care about Uh, -uh No, it's my right. That is a perspective. So we have some sink action going right now. <laughs> we do. But we have to keep looking up. Mm -hmm. Why? Because Jesus is our rock. Right. Satan's strategy is to distract you from that, to get you to forget that. Right. Why? When you look in John 10 and 10, it says the enemy will use anything and anyone mm -hmm. to steal, kill, and destroy you. Mm -hmm. yeah. The enemy will even use people closest to you. But God has given you armor to help defend yourself. Yeah. I'm almost done. We as the children of God cannot go into war alone, just as an army does not go to the front lines alone. So we need to make use of what God has given us in battle. Mm -hmm. After all, as Psalms chapter 27 verse 8 says, God is our strength yes. and shield of protection. Yes, 
in Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 6 it says that he will never leave us nor forsake us. That is the promises of God. The promises of God. So in my conclusion, you look in 1 John uh, chapter 4 verses 4. Uh, it's going to be encouragement to people as we move into uh, talking about the weapons of our warfare and the the arm of faith and different things like that, the helmet of all of the different things that we're moving to the next time. Um, John, you are, First uh, John chapter 4, verses 4, you are of God, King James Version, little children and uh, have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You break this down, how believers have overcome these antichrists. John uses the concept of overcoming five other times in this letter. Overcome, 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 overcome. Mm, that's faith to believe that. It takes that to believe. That you can be in a mess, feeling powerless. You can be deceived or you can be betrayed. <laughs> you know, all of the thing going on and to believe that the faith in God is more powerful than these circumstances. We as believers have overcome the evil one. And have overcome the world. Why? Uh, because the power of Christ who lives in the believer is greater than the power of the world. Yeah. We have to remember that. Yes. We have to remember that. The Holy Spirit living in the believer is far stronger than any attack by the devil. That's right. This encouragement should empower believers not to fear Satan, but rather trust the Lord and obey his commands. Watch this. Not to fear Satan, but rather do what? Trust the Lord and obey his commands. By doing so, we can overcome the powers of darkness and walk with boldness in this life. God has used all of these and uh, these troubling times, events from last year to this year to bring us to our knees in repentance and dependence on him. To lead us to trusting and obeying his command. And that's what these events have been wanting to do for us. But what happens is, is that many of us, as my dad would say, have become casualties in this spiritual warfare. Yeah. The same people shouting and dancing, <laughs> got their tongue out, is the same folks that's mad at you for wanting to, you know, go to the house of God. <laughs> you know, I'm telling you, try to report you in. Don't be a casualty in this spiritual warfare. God gives us eyes to see what's happening, to forgive our sins and return to our first love, Jesus Christ. God, help us to continue to find our hope and rest in you.